0: Please reopen your Bibles to Exodus and chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, and the passage that we read will be the passage that we'll be considering now. Exodus chapter 17, reading from verse 8 to the end of verse 16. We are in a battle. And where are we going to get our victory from? We are in a spiritual warfare. How are we going to find success? The same place that Israel found success when they faced a battle. We're considering about this battle that Israel had with Amalek. And that they found their victory from the Lord. And that is where we find our victory from. Which is why our title is Victory from the Lord. And as we look at this passage and as we look at victory from the Lord, we do so with three headings. First of all, consider with me that we need to rely on the Lord. Rely on the Lord. That's in verses 8 to 10. And then in the second place, we'll see pray to the Lord. That's in verses 11 to 13. And then lastly, remember what the Lord has done. That's in verses 14 to verse 16. So these three things. Number one, we'll see rely on The Lord. And now, what's happened with Israel? Well, they've left Egypt, incredibly. They've encountered problems on the way already in the wilderness wanderings, haven't they? There's been the Red Sea in front of them and the pursuing Egyptians behind them. What are they going to do? Well, God remarkably opens up the Red Sea and they walk through on dry ground. And if people don't think it's a miracle, then how on earth did the Lord drown the Egyptians? There was only six inches of water. Some people like to have us believe. It's a miracle, a remarkable miracle. And they've got on to the other side. They praise God, but there have been a problem. They're thirsty and they come to waters and they're disappointed. Why are they disappointed? They're disappointed because the waters are brackish. They're bitter. And God turns bitter waters into sweet out of his grace to these complaining people. And then the next problem is they're hungry. They're in the wilderness. They've been in the wilderness for about a month and a half and their supplies have taken from Egypt have run out. So what are they going to do? They complain again. They don't learn their lessons. They complain again. And God provides a daily miracle, manna. And that's Jesus is the bread of life. The bread that comes down from heaven that we feed on. And they go a little bit further, and there's another problem they encounter again. They're thirsty. And they complain again. In fact, they contend against Moses. And so God, again, provides a miracle. Tells Moses to strike the rock, and water comes forth. And again, it's a big picture of our Lord Jesus Christ how do we know? Because the New Testament tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter ten, verse four, that rock was Christ. And it's Christ who's the living waters. And just as those waters they satisfied the Israelites, Jesus Christ satisfies you. Now number Christ can satisfy. No other name for me. There's love and life and lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. Isn't that true? It's Christ who satisfies us. Eternally, spiritually, don't go to other systems for satisfaction. It's like drinking salt water. You want more, but it's Christ who satisfies. And now, once again, as they here they still in refdam. They encounter another problem, and it's a different problem. It's not a problem of water, a lack of water. It's not a problem of food. What's it a problem of? It's a problem of an enemy. It's the first battle that Israel is going to face in the wilderness. And they're from these people, the Amalekites. And in fact, as Moses, when he preached his farewell sermon in Deuteronomy, he talks about this particular issue in Deuteronomy chapter 25. And he talks about these people of the Amalekites. In fact, the Israelites were weary and the Amalekites, what did they do? They ambushed the Israelites. Who are these Amalekites? Well, they're descendants of Esau. Remember Jacob I loved, Esau have I hated. They were descendants of Esau. If you read the account in Genesis chapter 36, the genealogy of Esau. And in verse 12, one of Esau's sons had a concubine and they had a son called Amalek. And that's where the people of Amalek come from, the Amalekites. And these Amalekites, they come up against Israel. Now, humanly speaking, they should have wiped the floor with Israel. Why? Because Israel were not a trained unit, were they? In fact, they were at a low ebb. They had been slaves for many years. They had been whipped. They had been beaten. They were not exactly a crackpot army, were they? They should have wiped the floor with Israel. These Amalekites, humanly speaking. These Israelites were not trained they were out in the wilderness, they would not learned together to fight, they hadn't got experience about fighting. They were at a low ebb, you could say. Surely the Amalekites are going to take them. What's Moses going to do now? There's this new problem that's arisen. What's he going to do? Well, he chooses Joshua who's going to eventually take over, isn't he? Joshua, Yeshua, which is a Hebrew way of saying Jesus. And Joshua is a picture of our Lord Jesus. And he's going to go out and he's going to lead the troops into battle. And what does our Lord Jesus Christ do? He goes out conquering and to conquer our great saviour. He gets us the victory. And Joshua's going to lead the army. What's Moses going to do? Is he going to chicken out? No. No. He's going to go up to the top of the hill and he's going to take two people with him, Aaron and her and he's going to stand on the top of the hill and he's going to be able to see the battle underneath. He's going to be able to see how it goes and he's going to take something with him. What's he going to take with him? The rod of God. That rod that had been so instrumental, hadn't it? That rod that he took with him when he was out there in Midian and when he came back to Egypt. That rod that he used in front of Israel to show that God had really spoken to him. That rod that he'd used in front of Pharaoh that had become a snake. That rod that he'd used in various plagues. That rod that he had stretched out over the Red Sea. That rod that he had used to strike the rock and water had come out, this incredible instrument that God used. He was going to take it and go up to this hill as Israel was fighting Amalek. But Moses didn't rely on the rod of God, he relied on the God of the rod. Moses didn't rely on the rod of God, he relied on the God of the rod. He used this rod as a means, but he relied on the Lord. There was nothing magical in this rod in and of itself. It was just a normal rod, I'm sure. But God used it as an instrument, and he relied on God. And we are to rely on God. Who do you rely on? Who do you rely on? Who do I rely on? We're to rely on God. We're not to rely on the means, but we are to use the means. We're to use the means of prayer. We're to use the means of God's word. We're to use the means of Christian fellowship. Have you ever thought, why is it that we stop everything and break bread and drink wine and remember our Lord as a means to stir us up, to remember Calvary? That's why, isn't it? It is. It's a means. We use the means of preaching. There's the means, but we don't rely on the means. We rely on God in the means. We rely on God. That's the first thing. Secondly, we see this. Not only rely on the Lord, but secondly, pray to the Lord. So there's Moses and Aaron and Hur, and they go up to the top of the mountain. And there's Joshua, and he's leading the troops down below. And what happens? What happens? All the while that Moses lifts up his rod, Israel prevails. They're winning the battle. They've got the upper hand. They've got the the ascendancy. But as soon as Moses goes tired and weary and lets down his hand, Amalek prevails. I mean, how long can you lift up your hands for before getting tired? So I'll let you into a secret. I preached this sermon last Sunday morning and I said that same thing and my three-year-old, well no, it's four-year-old now, he, he wanted to lift up his hands to see how long it would be before he could actually lift it up. <laughs> it wouldn't be long, would it, before you go tired and before you grow weary and then have to put down your hands, wouldn't you? Well, Moses grew tired and Moses grew weary and as soon as he puts down his hands, Amalek prevails. Amalek has the ascendancy. Amalek is winning the battle. What does this tell us? Why doesn't it tell us about the need we have of prayer? Moses, there he is. He isn't in the front line of the battle, but he's there and he's he's interceding before the Lord as he lifts up his rod. Now you might think, I can't do a lot for the Lord. You might think, I can't do what others do. Maybe age, maybe other reasons, and you think I can't be on the front line of service as much as I'd like. But you can pray, and that's a vital ministry. You can pray for those that are on the the front line of the battle. Just as Joshua, just as Moses lifted up his hands to the Lord, he wasn't in the battle, but he was interceding before God. We need prayer supporters. I remember a few months ago, I was at a conference and I bumped in, not literally, to my old pastor. And he's a man who's who's had a stroke a few years ago and and he said this to me. He said, my main ministry now is prayer. That's a good thing, isn't it? My main ministry now is prayer. There was a very godly man, he's with the Lord now, he's called Errol Hulse. Do you mean Errol Hulse? I remember going to see him once. I thought he had a stroke and, and he was in a care home and I thought I'll go along and be a blessing to him. Well I came out more being more blessed than I could ever give him a blessing. And his prayer life was just phenomenal. He was praying all over the world for people. He used to be very, very active. He used to go over to Africa and train pastors who had slender education. He was if you ever met Errol, he could sell ice to Eskimos. He was a visionary. He really was, was Errol. But he couldn't do it anymore. He was confined to his bed in his care home. But what did he do? Did he say, well, never mind? He prayed. And he prayed. Do you know, he used to pray for me every single day. Well, I remember meeting him for the first time and thinking, well, I was 25 at the time, thinking, oh, is this, this, this giant. He said, are you Ben? I said, yes. He said, I pray for you every day. Isn't that remarkable? It's incredible. He prayed. Can you do that? Can you be a prayer supporter? Can you be a person who's behind the scenes? It it doesn't get seen, but it's so vital. And eternity will tell how vital it is to pray, to be taking it to the Lord in prayer, to be a prayer supporter. Be a prayer supporter. How important it was. Humanly speaking, without Moses, they wouldn't have won the battle, would they? Without Moses lifting up his rod, and he let down his rod, and he got weary. Do you ever get weary in prayer? Do you ever get very weary in prayer? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, isn't that true? Do you ever ever notice when you start praying, it seems as if the clock sort of slows down, doesn't it? You ever notice that? And, And minutes seem like hours. Do you ever get weary? Do you ever need to be quickened in prayer? Use any means you can to be quickened in prayer. Sometimes we're slow, aren't we? And we're sluggish. You know, you remember the old cars that used to have the choke? And, you know, you let things in, don't you? You, A bit more heat in when you're on a cold day. You You have to pull out the choke. Sometimes we have to do that, you know, in our prayer life, don't we? You ever come to the Lord and you've just been like an ice block? Sometimes we need need stirring up. Maybe read the scriptures or read some book that's going to help us to to quicken us to pray. Quicken us to seek God. We get weary. But Moses is a type of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's also an anti-type because Christ, when he intercedes for us, never grows weary. But he intercedes for us. He's able to save to the uttermost all those who come to God through him since he ever lives to make intercession for us. And praise God that we have somebody praying in heaven for us. Seated at the right hand side of the Father. Doesn't that put courage into our prayer lives and into our Christian lives? To know that Jesus Christ is praying for us. He's far from inactive. He's praying. He's interceding for us. With groanings that cannot be uttered with the Holy Spirit. We go weary. But the Lord Jesus He's always praying. He never grows weary at all, does he? Let's pray to the Lord. So what are they going to do? There's a problem. Moses can't keep going, can he? He can't keep lifting up his hands. He keeps letting them down. And maybe he lifts them up again. And there's a shorter duration before he puts his hands down again. And then he lifts them up again. And there's an even shorter duration before he puts them down again. So he lifts them up again. And so on and so on and so on. And and he's getting tired and he's getting weary. What are they going to do? If he doesn't lift up his hands and keep them lifted up, then Amalek's going to win the day. What's he going to do? So they get a stone and they put it under him and he sits on it and they get Aaron and they get her and they lift up his hands one on one side holds his hand and the other on the other side and he holds his hand and he's in that position until the going down of the sun and Israel win the day. What does it tell us? It tells us that the Christian church is not a one man band. We need each other. Don't you love the analogy of the church being a body? Isn't that a great analogy? You See the hand Can't say, well, I don't need the eye. And the eye can't say that he doesn't need the foot. They all have different roles, but they're one body. And they all needed each other. Joshua needed a Moses up the hill. you imagine Joshua looking up the hill as he's he's leading the troops? And he looks up and says, okay, Moses has got his hands lifted. It's all right. Puts his hands down. Oh, we're going to be struggling now. Sees him again up the top of the hill. He's got his hands lifted up high. Gives steel into, into his purpose and his cause, doesn't it? Gives him real zest. And Joshua needed Moses, Moses needed Joshua, and Moses needed Aaron and her, and they all needed each other. And we all need each other in the church. It should never be left to one man to do everything, or one woman to do everything. It's never men like that. We're not isolated marbles, we're people that are to be together. It's like an orchestra isn't it you have this conductor and all these different instruments all these different people playing all sorts of different things and they're in harmony they, they're together and that's how we're to be we need each other in the church of christ one has different roles but we're all one body working together for the same lord so rely on the lord pray to the lord and now thirdly remember what the lord has done so here Joshua discomforted, or New King James says, defeated, verse 13. And Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Was that going to be it? Were they going to say, well, now we've won the battle, let's move on. Let's go to the next bit of our wilderness wanderings and our next aspect of our journey. Is that what's going to happen? No. God had something else to tell Moses. And what does he tell him? Verse 14. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. Write it down. Do you ever have to write things down? Do you ever forget if you don't write things down? Do you know, there are lots of sorts of different things. You know, I put little marks, if haven't got a piece of paper nearby and I have to remember something, I put a little mark on my, on my hand, <laughs> a little squiggle, and then sometimes, I'm that forgetful, I can't remember what I've put the mark down for. Have <laughs> you ever been like that? Unless you write it down, you can't remember it. Have you ever had that experience? You've got to write it down. You've got to write it down or you'll forget. Well, the Israelites, they were a forgetful people, and they had to write this battle down, this victory that they had received from the Lord. They had to write it down, otherwise they'd forget. And it wasn't to be written in a loose piece of paper, which could easily be for, for, you know, tossed, aside, tossed aside. It was written in a book. It was written where it would be bound, where it would be permanent. It was to be a constant reminder, and here we are reading it today, in a book, and you are to tell it in the hearing of Joshua. Explain to Joshua what happened. Oh, that must have encouraged Joshua to know that Moses was there, and, and lifting up his hands, and he was supported. We need encouragement, and we need to encourage each other from the book. Why not tell people what you're reading in the Bible? Isn't that encouraging to tell people what you're reading and how it's blessed you? How many times have you not had good fellowship when somebody has said, Look, I read this this morning in the Scriptures. It's marvellous. It's wonderful. You know, I've had some incredible things. I've had incredible insights, haven't you, in the Bible when somebody else has, has told me, even informally, about what they've been reading that morning in their devotions how encouraging it is isn't it let's encourage one another what an encouragement it must have been as Moses wrote this down this this account of the victory against Amalek and then he was to rehearse it in the ears of Joshua and what an encouragement that must have been and there's more because God is going to wipe out he's going to put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven and isn't that true where's Amalek today Who's heard of Amalek today? What people group today are the Amalekites? Well, they've been wiped out. And that's true, isn't it? Where where are the people of Amalek today? God's word is true. So, another one of those reminders about how we can trust the authenticity of scripture, the reliability of God's word. It's true. What he says is true. It comes again and again and again to us, doesn't it? And Amalek was to be wiped out. In fact, that was Saul's mistake do you remember 1 Samuel 15? When Saul was to utterly wipe out the Amalekites and he didn't utterly wipe them out. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back and God rejected Saul, didn't he? In fact, it took David to then wipe out the Amalekites. But they'll be wiped out. They'll be put out. God's enemies will be defeated because Christ is crucified and risen and exalted and he, will, and he will reign and he'll put all his enemies under his feet. And not only that, not only was Moses to record it in a book, but Moses built an altar to praise God. Let's praise God for the victories we receive. There, verse 15. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi, which means the Lord is my banner. It was the Lord that had given them the victory. It wasn't Moses' strategy. It wasn't Joshua's military prowess. It wasn't anything that they had done or achieved in themselves. It was simply because the Lord had done it. It was the Lord. Where are you and I going to get our victory from? The Lord. Because we are involved in a spiritual warfare. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers of the darkness of this age. As someone has said, we're not living in a playground, we're living in a battleground. And sometimes we can forget that we're involved in a spiritual war. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you struggle with temptation? Why not take it to God? He can give you the victory through it. Struggle with spiritual warfare many times. Have you ever been in Doubting Castle? Have you ever met giant despair? Have you ever needed the key of promise to get you out again? Isn't that true? Yes, many times. Can you feel, still feel sometimes on your soul is club, giant Despair's club on your back of your soul as it were. But God gets us out through his word, speaking to us in our soul. They were to set up this memorial. They were to set up this memento. This this, this altar was built up in in, in, in the book as well. All remembering what God had done. We remember things don't we have you ever gone on holiday and got a fridge magnet or, or, or coasters to in tea coasters to remember your holiday or a postcard or something and, and there every time you go and get a bottle of milk is it there on the fridge is it yeah and then every time oh yeah went on there on holiday you remember it you want to savor the memory so you bought this fridge magnet or the tea coaster and every time you put your cup of coffee down on the on the coaster you remember it i went there to that seaside resort you remember it and they were to remember it the victory that the lord had given how we're to remember what god has done for us are you saved this morning do you ever remember that that god has saved you what a miracle of miracles you are dead in trespasses and sins and god has made you alive He's quickened you. He's given you a spiritual resurrection. Isn't that worth remembering? Let's never forget our conversion to Christ. That he's given us the victory. Sin was going to swallow us up and take us lower than the grave. But God in Christ has given us the victory. He's he's defeated sin and defeated death. And they were to remember it. The Lord is our banner. Just like a flag that's waved. Just like a banner that's overhead. It says it, doesn't it, in Psalm 20, we'll set up banners in his name. Where's your banner? What's the badge that you say? Is it the Lord? Is it the Lord who's won us the victory? The Lord, is is that the one you remember? like The coat of arms on, on, on a sail when they go out and you know that boat belongs to that country. And we say we belong to the Lord. Is it obvious? The great Lord had given them the victory. And the Lord gives us the victory. Maybe this morning you're not saved. Maybe you never come to Christ. Maybe you've never known power over over sin by forgiveness through the Lord Jesus. Come to him and you will have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ can satisfy you and does through the cross. And you can know forgiveness and you can know peace and you can know joy. And you can know that when you die you'll be eternally with Jesus in heaven. And there's no other greater joy than that. Than to know Jesus Christ for ourselves. This is eternal life. That they may know you Jesus prayed to the Father. And that Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We know God in Christ. Oh I'd urge you to come to him if you've never come to him before. And to trust in him. And he gives us a relief in our troubled consciences. He gives us joy and forgiveness of sins. In our Lord Jesus Christ. Here was this battle then against Amalek. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ.